Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, a resource of Orchard Africa. The mission of Orchard Africa is to equip the church to care for the vulnerable. For three decades, a passionate community of churches, leaders, and donors have worked together to feed, educate, care for, and empower under-resourced communities in Southern Africa. To date, Orchard Africa and its partners have served over 10 million meals to families in need, cared for over 75,000 orphan children, and enrolled 8,000 children in high-quality early learning programs. All of this takes place through local African leaders to help communities move from survival to stability to sustainability. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, where we help you make a positive and sustainable difference in the places of greatest need in our world. My name is Brian, and I'm the executive pastor of Orchard Africa. I'm here with the co-founders of Orchard Africa, Mike and Michelle Tessendorf. How are you guys doing? Doing, doing good, good today. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Hi, everyone. Good to, good to be back. Uh, Mike and Michelle have been serving for 30-plus years in uh, vulnerable communities in Southern Africa, empowering pastors, empowering churches, and um, helping churches to be able to respond to poverty and injustice well. And now, uh, kind of in this era, helping churches in the United States as well to be equipped to care for the vulnerable. And that's the heart of this podcast is to provide tools and resources to uh, churches um, here over the United States in ways that we can give the tools to make an impact in the world. And so um, good to be back together. Yes. Today is uh, episode number 16 for May 2022. And um, being the first of May, we just wrapped up Easter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's uh, certainly celebrated differently in South Africa than uh, what I've seen in the United States. Um, I know that uh, large churches in the United States have multiple services, but it's the same service repeatedly. Whereas in South Africa, uh, most African churches will have an Easter conference that uh, you can give more info. How does it, it starts what, on Friday? Uh, it depends on where, but sometimes on Thursday night is mm -hmm. the sort of opening launch mm -hmm. service of the Easter conference. And then it runs mm. all day Friday and all day Saturday with a big closing celebration on Sunday. And um, it's it's multifaceted. It, uh, there's special celebration services for young adults and for women and for kids, and mm. people eat meals together mm. and have water mm. baptisms. Mm. And so it's one long weekend of just celebrating Jesus and celebrating being together. Right. And so by the time Monday comes, uh, the pastors <laughs> are <laughs> well exhausted. Ho let's, Holy let's Monday. Think. They feel yeah. like they've, they've got a bunch of holes inside them. It's oh, right, right. It's it is very hard. different, though. Mm. I mean, uh, uh, in South Africa, Good Friday is actually observed um, with a lot of intent. Mm. And uh, most churches will have Good Friday services, um, some even in the mornings on Good Friday, it's it's a public holiday, so everything is closed. Mm -hmm. um, I remember my first Easter weekend in the United States. I was visiting a church in uh, Missouri, and there was going to be a Good Friday service that night. Uh, the pastor had some things to prepare, and so he said, well, uh, you've got nothing to do today. Take my car. And I said, well, where am I going to go? He said, go into town. Go shopping. Go do whatever you want to do. And I had this image, but... Everything's closed. It's, it's Good, Good Friday. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> of course, nothing was closed. It was everybody was shopping, and it was just like a regular day. And it, to me, it was just mm. such a 
a sort of a culture shift. Right, right. And I think also just culturally, uh, in South Africa, the Easter weekend being uh, Friday is a public holiday and Monday is a public holiday. It's also the last weekend, if you want, of summer. Mm. And uh, that's like the dividing line between summer and autumn. We're moving into winter. Um, also, culturally, another thing that happens over Easter is uh, the supermarkets compete to see who's going to be the winner of the um, uh, cr- hot cross bun competition. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Every <laughs> <laughs> they all make hot cross buns, and over Easter time, it's a big thing that everybody buys and eats and enjoys. And um, I know the nursery rhyme, hot cross buns, hot cross buns, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know if I know what a hot cross bun is. Oh, yeah, how do you explain a hot cross bun? Yeah, it's a bun with raisins in, and it's got a, a cross on, and it's uh, got lots of spices, cinnamons, ah. and those kind of spices. And um, Yeah, so it, it's a fun time uh, in South Africa. Easter is really intentional and busy um, in a different way to what Easter is in the United States. Now, do they hide the hot cross buns everywhere and the kids no. find them? <laughs> No, no, they're in the kitchen all the time for about three weeks leading up to Well, Easter. I've noticed that some of the supermarkets actually have hot cross buns all year round. Yeah, that takes away and the so fun of it. And so if you're really intrigued about a not hot cross bun, we have mission trips to South Africa where <laughs> yes. you can actually have hot cross buns for a- breakfast. Any month of the year. Yeah. Uh, well, sounds like I'm doing that the next time I'm in country. Uh, yeah. A little yep. warmed up hot cross bun. All right. Well, today we are going to be jumping into an amazing passage from Genesis 1 and uh, talking about the impact that the image of God in us has in our missional impact. Mm. Yeah. And so we're going to dive into a little bit of theological weight around what does it mean to have the image of God, but then also real practical. What does that mean for us as we seek to make a positive and significant impact in, in the world. And, um, you know, one of the things that we talked about mission teams, one of the things that mission teams do is they spend often a week with children and investing in them and leading a VBS or other kinds of programs and uh, ultimately to try to be a bearer of that, of that image. But, mm. you know, I, I wonder, just to kind of start the conversation, when we think of vulnerable children yeah how do they see the the image of god how do they picture god what what Mm. comes to their mind Mm. when they think of god yeah you know our mission teams don't only go and minister to children but uh, children are uh, vulnerable all over the world children are you know uh, uh, vulnerable vulnerable as a child but when you go into a vulnerable community um, I believe that we have such uh, an important task to correctly portray God's image. And the flippant words we say or the silly stories we tell and we don't intentionally reflect God well can truly hurt. And I'm thinking of a story of um, very recently a young boy of five, six, who said to me that um, he thinks God's mean. Hmm. 
and it was like, of course, my ears pricked up. Why is God mean? <laughs> and what a thing to say. <laughs> at and five. Yeah, <laughs> at five, my gosh. What happened? <laughs> yeah. And he said, well, he, he, he was told the story of uh, the, the, the original people in this garden. And um, they got hungry and they picked a berry. And God was so mad at them, he, cho- he chased them out of the garden. And he said they were just hungry and God <laughs> is so mean. And hmm. my heart sank to my feet, and I'm thinking somebody told the story of Adam and Eve and uh, the fall of man in a way that this child perceived God to be mean. And clearly we had a long conversation and uh, hopefully restored the, <laughs> the, 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 the little boy's view of God. Mm. But how easily mm. the image of God is incorrectly portrayed Uh, and that's in a child of five uh, what if that child had never had an opportunity to talk about that Mm. uh, and would carry that image forever that boy i better not pick god's berries because he'll chase me away yeah it speaks to the power of words and power of how we talk about the scriptures and doing that well and Mm. just a moment you wouldn't think just a moment could affect a child mm. right. long-term. Mm. Yeah. Right. And I think we do that not just uh, to children at a VBS. Uh, uh, it happens daily, even with adults that we are ministering to in vulnerable communities. How careful are we when presenting God's image? Mm. I think that word careful is a, is, is a good word. Mm-hmm. Um, because whoever told that child that story, I'm sure was not even dreaming that it could be interpreted way God turns out to be the mean one. Mm-hmm. But we have to be careful, intentional of what we say, what we do, how we interact with people. Mm-hmm. Because unintentionally, we could be creating a very, very distorted image, particularly when we are dealing cross culturally with people. Because sometimes mm-hmm. we portray things based on our um, context. Yes. And it comes across in a way where other people kind of mm. get a very different story of what we're trying to say. And right. so we have to be careful. We have to think mm. and, and intentionally make sure we are portraying God's image well rather mm. than just assuming that somebody's going to understand what mm. we're trying to say or do. Right. So let's start off by uh, talking about God's image and uh, mm. how that affects us. Uh, so well, I think the, the, our introduction to the image of God is in the book of Genesis where God said, let us create man in our image and after our likeness. And then it goes on to say, and let them have dominion. And uh, mm. I love how the message translation um, uh, records this verse, and I'm going to read it. It says, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea the birds in the air the cattle and yes the earth itself and every animal that moves on the face of the earth God created human beings he created them godlike reflecting God's nature he created them male and female and blessed them prosper reproduce fill the earth take charge and be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. 
And so there's this interconnection between God's image being created mm. in humans, but at the same time, there's a, a, I think, a reason that comes out so well in the way mm. this this translation portrays it that God's image is connected with being responsible yes. and taking care of things, and 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 um, responding to being a proxy. Mm. for God Mm. I love that where you're saying um, that word responsible because uh, some translations say and let them have dominion Mm. and I think sometimes when we in our culture and context think of the word dominion we get the wrong idea Mm. of what uh, we are meant to do Mm. we created in God's image and then there's this word dominion and image that go together Mm. and uh, I think that we lose our way sometimes because of those two words. Mm. And that's a beautiful um, translation mm. of that word yeah. dominion. Yeah. That word dominion so often is equated with a king on a throne or someone who's exercising lordship, uh, somebody who uh, is dominating people. But a little. Word nerdery. Uh, I, I love the <laughs> etymology of words and where words come from and yeah. that well, word dominion. You are a nerd, let's just face it. <laughs> well, let's be honest, let's be honest. <laughs> that's Welcome a, to the Orchard Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's a good word, it's I a think. Good, it's uh, a compliment. Nerds are cool right now. Yeah. <laughs> that word uh, dominion comes from a much older word where the root is uh, domus or dome, which is where we get the word for house or for hut um, or domicile mm. or domestic, all these words associated with, with the home and with everyday life. And mm. uh, that gives us, in my mind, a, a clear picture of what God was saying way, 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 way back mm-hmm. uh, before there were any kings and thrones and castles and dominion the way we think about it, that it was about uh, having responsibility mm. over the household mm. and yeah. taking that seriously and being um, being an owner yeah. mm. of those um, parts of the home, the people in that home. So it's relationship. It's a sense of uh, mm. uh, the people involved, not the uh, the 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 land that I dominate. Mm. Right. And if we made in God's image, God is community. He said, "Let us make." man mm. in our image in mm. our his community we know that god the father the son the holy spirit and therefore we are community if we're made in his image so i love that idea of home uh, and extending it to neighborhood to community we are all connected i don't think that uh, any one of us are individuals we like to think we are mm. and we like to celebrate our uh, individuality mm. But we connected to one another. Mm. There's no way that we could survive without this connectedness, mm. this the sense of community. And something else that I find in that scripture that you read, uh, God goes, th- uh, the, the Genesis goes through this beautiful um, image of God creating the earth. And then he says, uh, let us make man, and he gives us, and he gives them rulership. And he says, let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and over all the wild animals. 
absolutely nowhere did God say, let them rule over each other. Hmm. Right. Right. We are not to be ruling over each other. Hmm. Um, <coughs> we are, we have co-dominion. You know, we, we are all equally image bearers. And mm. kind of back to that word dominion, that where you get the word condominium is this idea of co-dominion or living yeah. together, serving together, doing life together, and, but not dominion over one another. You, you don't see that in the scripture. Yes. That's really interesting. Mm. Uh, it is. And, and Jesus very clearly told us how uh, rulership works. Uh, in the scripture, it says, uh, Jesus said, you know, those regarded as rulers over the Gentiles lorded over them and their su superiors exercise authority over them. But it shall not be this way among you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Mm. Uh, Jesus very clearly said that that kind of dominion, that kind of authority that we come to think of with that word dominion, it's not the way, not so with us. He's Christ followers, he's image bearers, not so with us. I think one of the mistakes that often gets made is that word dominion is taken independently um, in isolation from the whole context of what God said here in Genesis mm -hmm. chapter 1. And then uh, in chapter 2 it goes on where, to me, God gave dominion or authority or told them to take charge or be responsible because there was a job to do. And, you know, it, 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 it in Genesis chapter 2, it uses words like guard the garden, keep off, keep it, take care of it, maintain it, serve it, mm. tend it. And there's a sense of uh, you are responsible for a task. Mm. And I'm giving you the authority to do the task, not authority over people because... Mm. You're some kind of special authoritative being. Mm. And so in my mind, authority or dominion goes along with a task. And all of us have a task. Mm. In fact, every human being has a task mm -hmm. because God created humans in his image. And what you said about community, right. it's not some humans or those uh, who are, have said yes to Jesus humans. It's all humans. And mm. so in, in, in some sense, every single human being is a climax of God's image. Mm. It's he, he made us that way. Right. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's really uh, intriguing that this idea that you kept saying the word task and responsibility, and there, there's a huge mystery in the image of God and how, how God works that out. We don't really mm. know. But really, he spends more time talking about the purpose of the image right. than the nature of it. And right we might not be able to wrap our minds around fully what God did in putting his image in us or mm. around us or um, through us, but the purpose of it mm. seems like the key here that he's trying to point out. Right, and so I, I do sometimes wonder if uh, the image of our God that we reflect, is it actually the image of our God? Mm. What what are we reflecting? Or are we reflecting the image of our God and are we taking that seriously? Because within us is God's image. But what are we reflecting? Mm. Are we reflecting the true nature of our God or are we tr reflecting some, something else? Mm. And um, we need to take that responsibility very seriously when we go into vulnerable communities 
um, what is the image that we reflect mm. in the things that we do? Do we go in with an authoritative stand right. uh, that I know everything, I am everything, I've got everything, and look how kind I am to share it with you, as opposed to I see God in you, that even though you are vulnerable, mm-hmm. you you have God's image in you. Mm. You are mm. a holy being, mm. and do I treat you as <coughs> such, um, or is it look at me coming to you, the vulnerable person? Um, mm. I think there re- really is uh, a gentleness that is required and um, a way that we allow God's image to shine through us mm. is important. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you quoted the, the words of Jesus where he made the distinction between lording or serving. Um, and I think if we misunderstand or choose to misinterpret that word dominion related to God's image, it's very easy for us to lord yes. subconsciously because s- s- often when we serve vulnerable people, we tend to be paternalistic, um, mm-hmm. which is not really a, a heart of serving. It's it's almost like I have been sent to take care of you, mm. or or uh, what's what's the other word? Um, patronizing. Mm. Where <coughs> we we don't really have a servant's heart, the, the, the and the image we portray then becomes distorted. Mm. Even with good intentions. With good intentions, yes. yes. Mm. Mm. With good yes. intentions. And that's where you, you know, we went back to what you said about being careful. Mm. Um, I think it's so easy to fall into that paternalistic, patronizing mode mm. and come across as something else other than mm. serving and being the slave of all. Right. Yeah. And I think when we... Um, go with a posture and an attitude of recognizing the image of God in those that we serve, that they are equal to me. Mm. Just because I might have more stuff or I might have more knowledge on a certain subject or whatever it is, I am not superior. I am exactly the same. Mm. We are both created in God's image. We are both holy beings. You know, C.S. Lewis's um, quote that says, next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your mm. senses. Mm. I love that. Mm. I love that whole sermon of his, um, The Weight of Glory. And if you haven't read that sermon, I highly recommend you read it because it's talking about God's glory in us. And... I do think that when we go serving um, in the name of our God, we serve in the way of our God mm. and see God in them, see them as one of the holiest beings mm. presented to my, s- my senses, mm. not, well, I have authority and I know more, or I'm, as you said, this paternalistic, um, patronizing mm. way, which can very easily creep in. Mm. It's not a judgmental yeah. statement that yeah. it, it just it creeps in. We can so very easily slip into that mode um, if we are not being careful. Mm. 
I think one of the implications of being able to view each and every person around us as the image bearer uh, is that since they're the image bearer, they have value, they have dignity, right. they have worth, they deserve honor, respect. But sometimes we think, well, I'm going to I'm going to go give them dignity, you know, that I'm going to serve in such a way because of all the circumstances of life, I'm going to bring them dignity. Because they don't have dignity. They don't have dignity. Mm. But theologically, what this is saying in Genesis here is, mm. no, they they already have inherently right. value. Right. Right. Inherently, they're, they have dignity. We don't bring that. Nope. But sometimes we come and we need to point that out. Yes. Maybe the circumstances of life or the the challenges they've had, the suffering that they've had, the reality of apartheid generation after generation has covered that dignity or covered that image. And so mm. maybe they can't even see it themselves the way that they should. And so there's this restoring, recovering kind of ministry of mm. like a beautiful masterpiece that's been painted that has years after year after year after year been um, faded because of the dirt and the grime and whatever changed that uh, that painting mm. that expert recovery person that can come and restore mm. and bring that back to its its mm. full glory i think not bringing dignity not bringing value not bringing worth but sometimes helping them see, see it, it themselves and recover that is the ministry that God calls us to. I think that's a beautiful image because you're absolutely right. Part of what apartheid did was uh, communicate to people that you are actually subhuman. You are not quite human enough to uh, be like me. And what we were doing with apartheid was saying, you don't bear God's image. Hmm. Uh, I know that uh, certain theological uh, streams within South Africa even believe that if you are black, you have no soul, therefore you will not be saved, and God does not value you like he values me. How awful to live under that and to know that uh, other people see you as not quite human. Mm. And part of our job is uh, exactly what you said, is to restore in people that they do carry God's image, that they too are fully human. Uh, your scripture that you read, that God created mm -hmm. human beings in his image. Right. Not some human beings, not kings, not certain <coughs> races. Human beings are created in his image. We all carry that image and we all have value. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes we have to restore that. Um, one of the things we do at Orchard Africa is we have developed a VBS program that uh, is called I'm Special. And the whole intent of that whole entire VBS uh, program is to help young children know that they are created in God's image. Therefore, they are special. Yeah. They are holy. They are valuable. So this is going to sound like a bit of a cliche, and I, I, I suppose it can easily become that. But really, if, if we consider what the New Testament says about Jesus, I mean, there, there's a number of places where it clearly says that Jesus <coughs> is the express image mm -hmm. of the unseen God. Yes. Um, that when we 
see Jesus, we see God who cannot be seen. And if we are really going to present God's image in its integrity to vulnerable people, then our job is to be Jesus to them or to pre present Jesus to them in a way that is, is true and, and whole and um, wholesome. Mm -hmm. um, I, I remember a chorus we used to sing many years ago in church. I don't even know where it comes from. Um, and I haven't heard it for years, but as I was thinking about this, those words came back to me. It says, I see Jesus in your eyes, and it makes me love him. I feel Jesus in your touch, and I know he cares. I hear Jesus in your voice, and I know he listens. I see him in you. Hmm. And isn't that what we should all be striving for? is to have people see Jesus in us because when that happens, then they are seeing God's image mm. in a way that makes a difference, mm. in a way that is real. Um, and I mean, it, mm. if, if we think about Jesus, he is kind, he is compassionate, he is gracious, he is loving, he is generous, he is mm. merciful. And, and, and his life on earth was to the unpopular, the untouchable the outcast the, the mm -hmm. sinner the the destitute yes. uh, there was no distinction there was no partiality every single person was treated with the same love care compassion kindness graciousness mm. regardless of their standing in society right right yes and he was <coughs> saying uh, the kingdom has come God's kingdom has come and uh it's clearly seen through him what that kingdom looks like mm. and therefore what we are doing and how we uh, interact should declare loudly this is what my god's kingdom looks like mm. it's loving it's kind it sees you as valuable um, you're included you're you're equal mm. all of those things is what god's image or god's kingdom looks like uh, so when mm. we bring the good mm. news mm which is the kingdom of God has mm. come. It should be, yay, what kind of a kingdom is this? You know, I want to be a part of that kingdom, not like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be a part of this mm. king. Right. Mm. You know, the mean one that mm. won't right. let you eat mm. berries. Mm. <laughs> mm. And it wasn't just his, his words and his preaching that revealed God's image. It was what he did. <laughs> Somebody said some to that if you read all the red words in the New Testament, you can get through them in about 45 minutes. <laughs> and yet Jesus spent three years mm. with his disciples and with the people of his mm. day. So what happened for the rest of that time? And to me, it was Jesus living out God's yeah. love and God's care and God's grace in what he did, not mm. so much what he said. Mm. This is the kind of king You're that right. we serve. Yeah. This is what citizens of that kingdom look like. Yeah. I read recently that when it comes to this idea of being made in the image of or being made in the likeness of that back in ancient days when a king wanted to determine his boundaries of his territory, that he would erect a likeness of himself just to remind everybody that who's king mm. and who's in charge. And um, as many places as that image was, was the extent of his, mm. his power. And it's interesting that in Genesis, he says, we make humankind in the image, in the likeness, and then talks about it being multiplied. 
Yes. Yeah. With this kingdom mindset that we just discussed, this kind of mentality of what community and life and loving people looks like, that wherever there's an image bearer, that there's a sense this is where God is in charge. This is where God has authority. And ultimately, God's big plan would be that his image bearers would fill the earth. And so no matter where someone was or what circumstance they were in, they would see someone that bore that image and would be reminded that this is the king that's in charge. This is the mm. kind of compassionate and kind and gracious and loving and truthful mm. king who's in charge despite the circumstances of yeah. my life or despite the suffering yeah. or despite poverty or mm. despite the brokenness in my family. This king is, is in charge because I see his image mm. being born. And... Uh, Despite all my suffering, I am uh, reflecting his image. Mm. I am part of the kingdom and therefore need to live according to his kingdom ways. And I'm worthy of uh, living mm. in this kingdom. And I'm worthy of reflecting my king to others. Um, and not that I'm this person that needs to hide in mm. the, the shadows mm. when the king comes by. No, no, no. I'm worthy to be in the sunlight with mm. him. Mm. Um, so how do we repair the breach? You know, we've been talking over the last a few podcasts, this big idea of being repairers of the breach, which we've seen uh, when we're comparing Isaiah 58 with Matthew 25, and we're looking at... Uh, all the wonderful things that you can go back to other podcasts and listen to. And the big idea is that we are called to be repairers of the breach. When something has been broken, when something has been breached, when there's been uh, uh, something that has been invaded and left mm. a hole, where there's a gap, we as Christ followers need to be repairers of that breach. And I do think that uh, the church, throughout church history, has not been perfect, and there are times when even the church has created uh, a tear or a breach, uh, or individuals, or something terrible and atrocious like apartheid that created a terrible breach in South Africa. How do we become repairers of the breach when it comes to the image of God? If God's image has been perhaps incorrectly portrayed, how do we take on that mantle and that calling to be repairers of the breach in vulnerable communities where perhaps people feel like they're not worthy, they don't carry God's image? Uh, how do we repair that? I think a, a good place to start is to maybe just take a step back and think, imagine... What kind of image do people who are vulnerable have of God? Uh, how do young children in vulnerable communities see God? Um, and if we, if we can understand the answer to that question a little and maybe think of the reasons why they've developed those, those mm -hmm. concepts, It'll help us to repair. I, mean, yeah. I, I remember a few years ago, I was leading a mission team in one of the um, communities where Orchard Africa serves. And on one of the days, uh, we had a soccer game. It was the mission team versus the teenage and young adult boys from I the community. Mm. Yeah. 
And I mean, we had a great game. They they thrashed us. <laughs> it was embarrassing. <laughs> but afterwards, we got together, and I I don't think a lot of these guys uh, they n- the, the 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 soccer players from the communities were definitely not uh, Christians. They were just soccer players. Mm. And so after the game, we all gathered in the middle and uh, we began talking about why we were there and what we were doing. And then said, so let's hear your story. And they began talking about how as uh, young men, uh, some of them were um, young fathers, unmarried fathers. Uh, Some of them were cohabiting with a girlfriend and and were responsible for children. And they just started talking about some of the hardship that they faced with the lack of resources that they have, raising a child with no income, mm. difficulties of trying to find a job, or you mm. know, uh, money to have transport to even go for an interview to get a job. And it, it was, it was heart-wrenching to listen to some of the real-life challenges that these guys faced. It's yeah. not like they weren't trying. They were just up against the wall. Mm. And so being the pastor amongst the crowd, I said, so is there a church in the community that is helping you in any way, uh, supporting you, encouraging you, um, just being there for you in any way? And I'll never forget this. As, as long as I have breath, I will remember these words. One of the young men said, the church is a business and all the pastor is interested in is money oh gosh mm. and I mean there was silence because I didn't know what to say and how to respond to that and I don't think anybody else did but the shock of that was how tragic for a young man and young men who are desperately needy desperately vulnerable and here is a church who is responsible for portraying God's care and compassion and love. And that's the image they have. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we, we can go on and on about all the reasons that they have that image. But I don't think that's important. The fact is that was the image. Mm-hmm. Right. That is the perception is the church is not a place I can go to for help because... Mm. So and how so do we, we repair understand that, that image? Then, then we've got some work to do. Right. It's a great, great mm. example of what we're talking about. So how do we go about repairing that image? Now, I know that story and I know what Orchard Africa has done um, uh, by planting a church in the community that is caring mm. and is providing and is all, all these other things that we do. But how do we... Mm. Just in general, uh, people listening to the podcast, church mm. leaders across the world, how do we repair the breach sometimes that the church itself has created or that political systems have or that circumstances have? Um, and a, a, a scripture that comes to mind is, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. We cannot get away from God's image is an image of love. And um, I know it can sound so soppy and silly. Oh, yeah, let's love them. But in practical ways, Mm -hmm. these young men needed to feed their families. Their children were hungry. 
the church should be feeding them, mm. which we do. Uh, the church should be educating their children. That's love. The church should be coming alongside that young man and helping to uh, provide skills, opportunities. Uh, the love is practical. Mm. Uh, let us, in practical ways, present Christ's love. Um, because God is love. How do we love well? How do we love well? You know, as you talked about his comment, um, that it's all about money. And then thinking about what you just said about it begins and ends with love. The thought of the, the question, what do we value and what do we invest in? What's precious to God? And one of the things that we see over and over and over again is that the most precious thing to God, the thing that he cares about and he came as a man in the person of Jesus to give himself for his, his people. There is no more valuable thing mm. than people. And so the way in which we intentionally show that, invest in that, be generous in providing for that is, right. uh, is not only a, a sign of good care and responsible care for people, but also who is this God that we, that we serve? Sorry. Right. And I think from an Orchard Africa perspective, it's why we work through the church, uh, to equip the church to care for the vulnerable, because sometimes the church has created the wrong image of God, and we want to repair that and help the church care for the vulnerable in a way that truly reflects the love of God. And uh, hopefully, with all that I have inside of me, change the image of God and the image of the church <coughs> for young men like you, you were playing soccer with. Um, that when they think of the church, they think of a good, kind mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. uh, and they see within themselves this image of this good, kind God. Mm. Um, so well, Isaiah 58, uh, I, I believe it's verse 12, where um, it talks about being repairers of the breach, starts out by saying, if you give yourself mm -hmm. to the hungry, to the destitute. Mm. And <coughs> it's an unfortunate reality that there are people in ministry who are there for the wrong reason or <coughs> have the wrong motives in their ministry. And as you said, equipping the church and equipping the leaders, Orchard Africa exists to equip those leaders to become leaders who will give themselves rather than take for themselves. Mm. Um, lay down their lives instead of mm. having people lay down to mm. serve yeah. them. Um, this young man obviously came across or encountered somebody who was not serving but lauding mm. as, as a church leader. And it's tragic. And uh, as, as, as church leaders, our role is to, to lay down and to give and to serve and realize that ministry is not for us. Mm. It's the people. Mm. I mm. think a lot of pastors have this uh, sense of personal worth and satisfaction when I preach People say, you know, well done, Pastor, great message, mm. and I love to preach. Mm. But do you love the people you're preaching to? There's a big difference. Mm. It, it makes a huge difference. Right. Are you willing to play soccer with the teenagers of your church? Yeah. Are you willing to uh, sit with the orphan child and comfort them? Mm. Um, mm. In First Peter uh, chapter 4, we read above all love each other deeply mm. above all 
love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Mm. Uh, where sin is, there's been a breach. And love covers that completely. Mm. Um, heals mm. the brokenhearted, mm. binds up their wounds, uh, helps somebody know that they are so valuable that I would be willing to use my own resources and put you on my own donkey mm. and put you right. in an inn and come back later to make sure yes. that you're still okay and mm. settle the bill on your behalf mm. because you are so valuable. You are not, I, I can't leave you mm. on the side of the street. Mm. Uh, you don't do that to something valuable and precious. You, you take care of it. Mm. You restore it and help them see their own worth. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's love. That's loving your neighbor. Well, we've, we've got a lot to chew on. Yeah. Um, this uh, image of God piece is something that uh, we could go on and on mm-hmm. um, talking about the implications of it. And, uh, and we hope today we've had the opportunity to give, uh, give you some opportunities to think about what's going on in your ministry and the way that you can be image bearers. And one of the things that's exciting about this conversation is um, since we started the podcast, um, more and more people have been listening in, enjoying this community. 700 different people have been a part of this. And it's exciting that, to think of the passion of that many people wanting to be image bearers or wanting to mm-hmm. care for the suffering. And imagine what we can do right. if we all tomorrow got up, put our feet on the floor and said, how do I reflect the image of God in such a way that they would see the image of God mm-hmm. in them as well? So we, uh, we hope that uh, this conversation has helped you to uh, think new thoughts and, uh, and then take some new steps as well in your ministry. So thanks for listening right. in today and yeah. look forward to our next conversation. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate, Bye-bye. Appreciate spending this time with you today. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>